Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank our choir and our praise team. and uh, Thank all of you for taking part in worship. If you brought your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. This morning I want to share a message that I've entitled, The Fields Are White. The Fields Are White. And we'll look at John chapter 4, verse 27 through 42, and then we'll look at Matthew 9, 37. First of all, John chapter 4, if you would follow along while I share Matt, uh, John chapter 4, verse 27. And at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot and she went on her way into the city. And he said to the men, "Come!" And she said to the men, "Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ?" Then they went out of the city and they came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, "Rabbi, eat." But he said to them, "I have food." Some translation says, I have meat, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said one to another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap, that for which you've not labored, others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. If you would look to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And we want to look at one verse, verse 37. Matthew 9, 37. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Fields are white. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity that we've had to worship you and now to open your word. Speak to our hearts, I pray. Allow your Holy Spirit to deal with us individually, then as a whole, as the, as the body. And so help us to understand your word and, Father, then not just hear your word, but put it to practice in our life. Be doers of the word. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. May you be honored and glorified. May we be convicted and challenged and committed. Forgive me of my sins, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned a little earlier that we've been focusing on soul winning. If you remember last Last week, I preached on the great soul winner, and that was Jesus. The week before that, I preached on six motivations of soul winning. And so today, the Lord has led me to preach, the fields are white. Over a year ago, I discovered that 
very often Christians want to win souls for Christ, but they really don't know how to get involved in the process. They want to, but they don't know how to get involved in the process. And so today you need to understand that it's very easy for you to get involved in the process of cultivating or cultivative uh, evangelism. That's what we want to talk about. Cultivative evangelism, cultivative witnessing. Not all witnesses, remember this, not all witnesses, not all witnessing encounters will bring about an immediate conversion. Uh, oftentimes we'll go and, and we'll sow, and sometimes we'll go out and we'll cultivate, and sometimes we'll go out and we'll be there for the harvest, and we see someone come to Christ. But not every outreach visit is there a conversion. It would be good if, it, if there were a conversion at every visit. But you need to know this. One person may sow the seed. One person may cultivate and mature the seed. And then others will be involved in the actual harvesting of the seed. Cultivative witnessing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. Cultivative witnessing. So God wants you to be involved in the process of soul winning. So this morning, God wants us to see that, that there, there are various levels where you can participate. Perhaps your personality will not allow you to be as bold as some, perhaps, gifted in that way to go and, and, be, uh, and, and then share the gospel and, and then try to, through the Holy Spirit's leading, bring that person to a decision. But there is a place for you in soul winning. And what I've seen happen in the past on visitation, and we, people would come and they'd either write letters or they'd visit uh, guests who attended or they'd visit uh, uh, absentees that had not been, in, been here for a while. But after a while, and then we'd have evangelistic witnessing, those that would go out to share the gospel. But after a while, I would see people that wrote letters all of a sudden, they would be going out visiting. They'd be visiting the homebound. They'd be visiting different, uh, those absentees. Then after a while, I would see some leave the, the letter writing, writing letters, and all of a sudden, they'd be going on evangelistic witnessing. So it may be something you have to grow to. You have to, God disciples you to reach that point. But there is a place for you to serve and win souls cultivative witnessing. And so he doesn't want you to be burdened. He doesn't want me to be burdened with the idea that I'm responsible for the salvation of a soul. I'm not. You're not. Who is? God is. God's the one that saves the person. That's not my responsibility to do. My, I, I'd hate to know, I'd hate to see some that said, Brother Sam, you saved me really would but anyway God does the saving so there's a place for us to be involved participate in soul winning so he wants us to be a part of the process so here's the point all believers are laborers together with God 
all believers. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So all of us are to participate in so winning. John 4, verse 31 through 42 is a continuation, if you caught that, of Jesus winning the woman at the well. And the disciples had been gone to a nearby village to buy some food, verse 8. And while they were gone, Jesus brought this thirsty woman to drink the water of life. And when the disciples returned, they discovered that Jesus was no longer hungry. Did you get that? They said, someone bring him some food. No, nobody brought him any food. You had anything to eat? No, I haven't any, had anything to eat. But he did say this in verse 32 and 34. Jesus let the disciples in on a fact that there is a spiritual source of satisfaction and nourishment in winning somebody to Christ. There is a spiritual source of satisfaction and nourishment in winning somebody to Christ. Verse 32, Jesus says, I have meat. Notice this. I have, I have food. So Jesus is, is talking about the satisfaction of doing God's will and working for God. I have, I'm, I'm not hungry, folks. You know, Jesus is saying, listen, I, I have this meat. I have this food. I have, it's, it's called satisfying God's will for my life. Jesus is saying, winning people to me is part of the will of God, and that satisfies that hunger that I have in my life. So the point is, you and I can experience the same satisfaction as we obey the command of Jesus to win others to Jesus Christ. Therefore, the, the soul winning, the soul winner Jesus, he shared with his disciples, and then he shares with us today the great privilege and the great principles of winning others to Christ. Now, soul winning is described in various ways in the Bible. Jesus compares soul winning to fishing. Fishing would be fishers of men. And then he compares soul winning to, to building a building, to go out, build a building. But the point is, in this particular passage, he's comparing, he's using an analogy of harvesting a crop. The, wheels white under, the field's white under harvest. And so he's using this analogy. He's not talking about fishes, he's not talking about building a building, but he's talking about harvesting the crop. And so we take the good seed, which is the word of God, and we plant it in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. That's what's happening in Sunday school. Back in the children's department, back in children's church, they're back there now planning. In fact, I think their, la their lesson last week was, was about planning. I know Judy brought seeds to church, and they were talking about planting the seed. And God's talking to us about planting the seed. If children can plant seed, if the youth can plant seed, if children's church, if teen kids are being taught how to plant seed, why in the world are adults not planting seed? So what are the basic principles of soul winning harvesting? Soul winning harvesting. I've listed four, I believe. Jot these down. Number one, the, the principle of soul winning harvesting. Number one, the principle of potential. Verse 31 through 35. Verse 35, he says there, there's, there's potential 
Look, if you will, at verse 35. Do, do not say, let me see, John, uh, yeah, John 4, verse 35. Make sure I got the right one. Do, not you, do you not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Potential in sowing and harvest. Behold, I'll say, do you lift up your eyes and look at the fields? For they're already white under harvest. So there's this anticipation of harvest. We all have it in the natural day that we live. We want to see when the tomatoes are coming in and when the peas are going to come in and check the corn and see if they're coming in. What about the pepper? Check the pepper and see if it's coming in. We have this anticipation of harvest. We know that naturally there's, there's a necessary period of time for the harvest to come, and we wait on it. But Jesus says, don't wait. It's already here. The fields are white under harvest. He indicated the harvest was already available, and he says, lift up your eyes. It's already here. Some believe that Jesus was teaching this, and the woman had left, and she'd gone into Samaria to tell everyone what Jesus had done in her life, that and after she was telling, people were coming to Jesus, and he's looking up, and and some think people were coming from every direction to hear what Jesus had to say, see if he would say something to him like he said to the lady there at the well. And you can imagine, you have the image, you have the picture of people coming from all over, all around, down the hills to come to Christ. The fields are white under harvest. And if that's true, you can imagine the scene of those people coming to hear Jesus. So the point is, we need to stop and look at the fields of opportunity in Phil Campbell, Alabama, in Bear Creek, in Spruce Pine, in Red Bay, in Russellville. We need to stop and look at the fields. We drive through them every day. We just need to stop and look at them. And I'm afraid this is part of the problem in the average church today. Too many churches and Christians haven't seen the great need of souls to win to Jesus. I'll be, we'll be riding along, and I'll see someone, and I'll tell Judy, I said, man, that person needs Jesus. Man, they need Jesus so bad. Make a visit, and you just say, man, these people, they need, they just need Jesus. Problems here, problems there. They just need, they need Jesus. And I'm afraid too many churches and Christians, they haven't seen that great need of winning souls to Jesus. And God have mercy on us if we haven't caught the vision of unharvest souls. That's a vision. Now, why? Why? Why do we look at the harvest field? Because we tend to get our eyes focused on the material things instead of the spiritual things. We wake up thinking about materialism and we go to bed thinking about materialism and very seldom do we stop and focus on spiritual things, especially our relationship with God and how he wants us to lead other people to him. Too many of us focus on the difficulties of soul winning and not on the possibilities of soul winning. So there's even a, a temptation for churches to become so concerned about themselves and the needs of the church that they fail to remember to reap a harvest of souls for Jesus. It's not about inreach, it's about outreach. It's not what we can do for ourselves, but it's what we can give to them out there. Spiritual things. So you have the field. The field is the potential of souls. 
that can be won. Matthew 13, 38 says the field is the world. It's the world. Mountain View Baptist Church is, is involved in world evangelism. We just will receive an offering in a few minutes about, you know, our Myers-Mallory State Mission offering for our state missionaries. We receive an offering in around Christmas for the, you know, for, for uh, foreign missions. We call it the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Then we receive one in April for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions. We have, we have an unreached people group that we give to. Secret Church takes an offering for an unreached people group that nobody's been able to, to go in and share the gospel. We have Operation Christmas Child for our missions. We have backpacks, North American missions. We have coffee cans for, for the local homeless. So we're involved in, in missions, uh, North American missions, local missions, foreign missions. However, however, with all that, every Sunday school or every Sunday school class is organized and responsible for our age group. You see, our adults, this church, are responsible for your adult class, reaching people for your age group. The youth is responsible for their youth class, reaching their age group. The children are responsible for their age group. Parents helping their children reach other children for Jesus Christ. Sunday school is set up in order for us to reach people our age, it's age graded, to bring in, to befriend them, later to hear the gospel and see them come to Jesus. The point is the entire city of Phil Campbell is our harvest field. And Jesus said, look on the fields for they're white unto harvest. And when he said fields, they're white, he's indicating that it's time to win souls. It's not time to wait for the harvest to come. It's already here. We need to go out into the harvest field. And I really believe that they're more ready to be saved than we can really imagine. People are wanting to be saved. So you have the first principle of potential for the soul winner. Second principle, you have preparation, verse 36 and verse 37. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. Both who sows and who reaps may rejoice together. Trickle on down to verse 38. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you've entered into their labors. And so there's a principle of preparation. It's very important that we prepare to be soul winners. Are you prepared to be a soul winner? You say, well, Brother Samuel, what does that mean to prepare to be a soul winner? Well, those who sow, those who reap, cannot be effective unless they're spiritually prepared. You have to wake up. You have to prepare every day to be that soul winner. Remember this biblical principle. Write it down somewhere. God can never work through us until he works in us. Amen? That's an amen. God can't work through us until he works in us. That's just a biblical principle. Philippians 2.13 says it this way. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God working in us to bring about his, his desire from within. He brings it out to the outside. It's God. Now, 
I, I found this later. It's not on your outline, so you can jot this down. I believe it, it would help us. Threefold preparation necessary for an individual to be used in the soul winning process. Threefold preparation. I'm going to give you three real quick. Number one, there must be preparation of life. Preparation of life. If you're going to be a soul winner, you have to have a prepared life. Now, what do you mean about that, Brother Sammy? Well, you have to be, you have to be a, um, a clean laborer. You can't be an unclean laborer with sin in your life and expect to win someone to Christ. It don't work that way. You, you, have, to have, you have to have a prepared life. You have, to be, you have to be clean before the Lord before you can effectively be used in soul winning. Reaching lost people. Don't lose your testimony. If you lose your testimony... You'll be blessed to live long enough to ever get it back. I've said that hundreds of times. But to be a soul winner, you have to have, you have, to have a prepared life. Number two, the seed of God's word must be prepared in your mind and your heart. In other words, you're going to have to know some scripture. Did you know that you were a sinner? Well, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Where do you find that at? Well, Romans 3.23. Did you know without Christ you're going to die and go to heaven? Where do you know that? Well, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, and the, and the gift of God is eternal life. Where do you get that? Romans 6.23. You're going to have to have some seed in your mind and heart if you're going to be a soul winner. Do you know you can't save yourself? Well, how do you know that? I'm working hard, doing good. Well, the Bible says, Ephesians 2, 8, not by works are you saved, it's through faith. Not of works, least anyone should boast. Verse 9, you've got to know some seed in your mind and in your heart to prepare to be a soul winner. Clean life before God, and you have seed planted in your heart and your mind. Number three. The heart must be prepared to win souls. So what do you mean by that? Well, it took every drop of blood of Jesus for the world to be able to come to him to be saved. His blood cleanses us from all sin. If it took every drop of his blood for the salvation of mankind, it will take every drop, it will take a burden, it will take a burden, it will take a burden heart on our part, for Christians to win other people to Christ. Suggestion, get some lost person on your heart. Make you a lost person's prayer list. Just don't write their names down, but weep over them. Cry for them. See them burning in hell unless somebody tells them about Jesus Christ. Prepare that way. So the principle of potential, the principle of uh, preparation. And then third, the principle of partnership. Look at verse 36 and 38. I just read that. He uses the word together for the sake of time. You move down to verse 38. I sent you to reap for that which you've not labored. Others have labored. You've entered into their labors. As you move to 38, you see the partnership, the sower and the reaper. Do you see that? One sows, one reaps. So in the process of cultivative evangelism, they're sowers and they're reapers. And so the point is, somehow the gift of sowing, somehow the gift of reaping. Some sow, some reap. How do, how do those sow? 
How's the sower sow? What does he sow? Well, he sows the word of God. He sows the seed. That's the word of God. So how does he sow? Well, he may be a Sunday school teacher. She may be a Sunday school teacher, a team kid teacher, a team kid worker. Someone sowing the seed. They may be a teacher. They may they, uh, teach God's word. They may be one that sows by inviting people to church, trying to enroll them in Sunday school. Are you enrolled in Sunday school anywhere? Do you mind if I enroll you in my class at Mountain View? You mind if I do that? More than likely, they'll say, no, go ahead. Can you come Sunday? Well, I'll be glad to say, we, well, we might can come, okay, and go ahead and enroll them in Sunday school. That is, that's a sower. Or it might be giving out tracts. Hand out a tract to someone. I read about a man, I'll tell you a little more about it in a minute, but he, he gave out over 10,000 tracts. 10,000 tracts. It may be giving out bracelets, Brother Terry. That's sowing, giving out quarters. That's sowing. We need a track ministry. Man, we need a track ministry, something terrible. That's a gift of sowing. Just remember that. Then somehow the gift of reaping. What does that mean? Well, a person that's a reaper, that person's been gifted to bring a lost person to a point of decision in their life. Bring it all the way down. Would you be willing to pray and ask Christ to come into your life and save you? That's a reaper. You got a sower and a reaper. It doesn't matter at which point in the process. It doesn't matter where God places you. But you have been placed in the process of cultivative soul winning as a sower or as a reaper, one or the other. So the point is both sowers and reapers are essential to one another. If there's no sowing, there wouldn't be a need for a reaper. If there's no reaping, there wouldn't be any need for a sower. So you're needed. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. Don't forget, for we're all God's, we're all, how many is all? All. All. All is all. We're all fellow workers with God. We're co-laborers with God. Field. We're God's field. We're God's building. So remember, a person, remember that a, a person rarely sees a person come to Christ by themselves. In other words, it's, he, we rarely win a soul by ourselves. Some, if, if I'm a reaper, then someone sowed a seed. It's, it may have been a Sunday school teacher. It may have been a parent. It may have been a grandma or a grandpa, an aunt or an uncle. It may have been a, a spouse. Someone sowed the seed. And so when a person's saved, it's not because I won that soul. No, they're sowers. And I just happen to be there perhaps as far as God granting the harvest. So if I'm there when a person went, is one to the Lord, I'm, the Bible says, I'm entering into the labors of others. You got that? If I'm there and I come and say, well, I led a person to the Lord. No, I didn't. I was there for the harvest, but I entered into the labors of others. The teacher and the mom and the dad and the preschool teacher and the children's church teachers. I've entered into their labor. And I was able to see someone come to Christ. I'm entering into the labors of others. This guy was going to tell you about passing out tracts. Passed out, I'm running a little over, passed out 10,000 tracts 
And here's how he'd do it. He'd go up to someone, and he'd hand them a tract. And they'd take the tract, and he said, you going to heaven when you die? And he'd just walk on. It's, it's how to be saved. It was an evangelistic tract. He'd walk up, hand them the tract. They'd take it, see what it is. Here, thank you. Are you going to heaven when you die? He'd just walk on, ask them that question. He gave out 10,000 tracts over a period of his life. He never knew of anyone that responded to one of those tracts. Now, the point is, we enter into other people's labor. And so this church was having a revival, and they invited this evangelist, true story. And the evangelist went, and he gave his personal testimony. And he said, I was saved in a mall one day. He said, a guy came up to me and handed me a tract. I took it, and he said, are you going to heaven when you die? And just walked off. I've never seen him since. I took that track and read it, and in that mall, I was saved while I was in that mall. I've never seen the guy since, don't know who he is, don't know where he came from, and it happened to be the guy that handed out this 10,000 track. You enter into the labors of others, okay? Don't forget that. John 4, verse 36, the sower, the reaper, they rejoice together. That's a promise. All that you have done to win souls will be awarded, rewarded proportionately. I mean, it's, it's the process of cultivating witnessing. You have the potential, you have the preparation, you have that partnership. And I'll, I'll close with this. I'll almost close with this. The principle of productivity. Productivity. Verse 36. And who reaps, receives wages, gathers fruit for eternal life, both he who sows who reaps may rejoice together, together. Very important, very important. There's a promise that when a seed is planted for Jesus, it'll bear fruit. Promise. The sower and the reaper will rejoice together. And so those who seek to be soul winners, they have the promised results of their prayers being answered. Matthew 13, verse 8, the parable of the sower uh, tells that the the fruit will be proportionate. Sometimes the harvest will be great. Sometimes the harvest at other times will be less than great. But look at the dividends. Look at the dividends. Look at that Samaritan woman. Look at the dividends. Jesus spoke to her and he goes out to the city and many came to Christ that day. Verse 36. You're doing life eternal. Those who reach, receive wages, gathers fruit for life for eternal life. Think of that. When one sows is to bring a person to eternal life. One sow gets eternal life. When you get involved in winning lost souls, you're doing a lasting, being a lasting blessing to someone. They're having life everlasting, life eternal. But there's, there's one final step. One final step. You have the principle of uh, potential and preparation and partnership and productivity. One more step, commitment. To be a soul winner, you have to have commitment. Commitment. You got to have it. You can't have it every now and then. That's not, that's not worth much. You can't do it out of guilt. He says in chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 37, the labors are few. He didn't say the preachers are few. 
He didn't say church members are few, but he said the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord will send more into the harvest field. And so this morning I want to challenge you. If you haven't made a commitment yet, do it today. I want to be a soul winner. I may be a sower. I don't know. God may have plans for me to be a reaper. But I know I can be a sower. I know I can give out tracts. I know I can invite people to church. I know I can I know I can visit. I know I can minister to people. I just need to commit to be a sower. Have that threefold preparation. Preparation of life. Are you clean before the Lord? You'll never be a soul winner with unconfessed sin in your life. The seed of God's word, is it planted in your heart and in your mind? You memorize in scripture. Got to have some scripture memorized. And then the heart be, must be prepared. Do you have a burdened heart? Principle preparation, partnership, principle of productivity. We're in this win-win situation. We can't lose because we're partners with each other. We're sowers, we're reapers, and we're laboring with who? God. How are you going to lose in all of that? You're not going to lose. You're going to be a win. We have this life-changing message. It's the best news that anyone could ever hear. We just need to be sharing. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, I had so much to say. Lord, I pray you speak to our hearts now. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time of invitation as people commit to being soul winners, soul winners. Father, we're, we're learning a lot. We're learning a lot on Sunday night. Tonight's going to be great. And so I pray, I pray that people will have a desire to come today, commit, just kneel here in front, public decisions. Maybe years, been years since some people walked down the aisle and prayed. But Lord, I pray they'd come today and just say, Lord, I, com- I, I don't know all that I'm doing. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I know you're going to guide me and you're going to uh, give me the words to say at the time I need them. And, and Lord, I'm going to be a sow winner. I'm going to sow, and then when you tell me to reap, I'll reap. But right now, I'm going to be a sower for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.